M A I N M E N U Main Menu Main Menu Welcome to Main Menu for June 24th, 2011. I'm Jamie Pauls. This week, Chase Crispin tells us about Braille Challenge, Paul Benden of Something Else Audio talks to us about Papa Sangre and the Nightjar, and David Tanner sits down with Eric Damery of Freedom Scientific. That's all coming up on this edition of Main Menu. I'm joined this week by Chase Crispin, who is a part of Braille Challenge. And first of all, Chase, explain to us what Braille Challenge is. The Braille Challenge is a Braille reading and writing competition. It's basically a competition to promote Braille literacy in students in school, anywhere from kindergarten to 12th grade. So if you're in any sort of school, you'll be able to be in the Braille Challenge. And it basically just tests in your age group your braille literacy. There's tests and they depend on your age group, but all grades have comprehension, reading comprehension, proofreading, and then depending on your age group you'll have speed and accuracy, which is where you have a Bookport Plus or a Victor Reader Stream, and you listen to a recording in braille what you hear, and then they grade you based on your grammar, your spelling, and your braille accuracy. And you might also have braille spelling where you have to write the word uncontracted and incontracted and you might also have reading charts and graphs so it really depends on your age level but it's just various competitions that assess your reading and your writing ability and who puts this on it's all based out of the braille institute in california mostly their los angeles office and there are regional braille challenge competitions pretty much in every state most states and in a couple of the provinces in Canada. And so you go to, like ours here in Nebraska is at the Nebraska School for the Blind, and you go to wherever your regional is at, you take all the tests, and those get scored. You get either, if you are good, you get a first, second, or third place in your age category. And then those scores get sent along. And if you're one of the top 60 scorers, which ends up being, because there's five age groups, one of the top 12 in your age category, you get to fly out to Los Angeles, California for the national competition. And you won your category, correct? Yeah, the last five years I've won the Nebraska regional one in my age group, and then this is my third year that I'll qualify for nationals. Nice. So you actually go out to Los Angeles. When are you going to do that? This year, it's we leave June 24th. It's the 24th and 25th of June. Okay. And what sort of things will you do at national? It's the same thing, basically, as the regional, same competitions, but it's a lot, it's a bigger deal, pretty much. Right. Um, When you get out there that Friday night, there's kind of an opening ceremony type thing where, you know, you just go and meet people and socialize and get to know other people. And then Saturday, all day, you're doing all the tests, the competition, and there's a big awards ceremony where they give out the awards and prizes on Saturday night, and that actually is streamed online. For any of you that want to listen to it on June 25th. Okay, very good. When you talk about reading Braille, do, do they focus mostly on paper Braille or do they actually get into electronic Braille as well? They haven't really got into electronics and I think it's because they don't want to count that, they don't want to have it count against people 
that can't afford the technology or don't have access to the technology. So you have all the competitions are brailled out on just, you know, braille paper. They're embossed. And then you type out your answers on a Perkins Braille writer. But the only thing that's done electronically is the speed and accuracy. Mm-hmm. Like I was talking about earlier where you listen to a recording and then you braille what you hear. And up until this year, you used a tape recorder, tape player, with a foot pedal. Oh, wow. But just this year, starting at this year's regionals, they provide Bookport Pluses, or you can bring your own Victor Stream or Book Sense or whatever. And then it's all on an SD card. Very and then cool. you just push play and listen to it in Braille. But yeah, the actual reading and writing is all hard copy Braille. Which makes sense because aside from the cost factor, I mean, every Braille device is going to be different, so you'd have to take that into account as well. Right, because they need to be able to tell you what to do. You know, they're, they're not just going to give you free reign in a competition. You know? <laughs> right. So, right. So what uh, sorts of things do you end up reading? It just varies from year to year. This year, like the reading comprehension stuff was about, I think it was national parks, and they've had stuff about the history of the internet and all kinds of stuff. And it's just kind of random. I think one year there was even something like a history of donuts or something. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah, so some of it's interesting, some of it's boring, but it's just random assorted materials that have the level of vocabulary for your age group. Excellent. So where can a person go to learn more about it and actually listen to the stream? To learn more about the Braille Challenge, you can visit www.braillechallenge.org. It's spelled just like it sounds, B-R-A-I-L-L-E-C-H-A-L-L-E-N-G-E.org. Right. And um, that will get you all the information, help you find a regional contest, give all the information about nationals. And to listen on that Saturday night, the 25th, I think it is, for the awards ceremony, that is also on BrailleChallenge.org, the link to that, if you want to listen in. Okay. One thing I wanted to mention was that uh, for the regional contest, if you're living in an area where it's, if you're a ways from where there's a regional one or something like that, and you're unable to get to where the regionals are held, you can have your TVI or just, I think pretty much any teacher can get the preliminary contest stuff and give you the test and then they'll send them in. So even if you don't live in a place where you can get the regionals, you can still participate. Well, we wish you the best of luck and we'll tune in and see how you did. Thanks. I'm, I'm pretty excited. It's a really, really cool experience just to be able to do something like this. This week on Main Menu, I'm visiting with Paul Benden of Something Else Audio, and we are going to talk about a couple of audio <laughs> games. So, Paul, welcome to Main Menu. It's, uh, glad to be here. Hi. Very good. Uh, so the first game you guys released that I was aware of, at least, was a game called Papa Sangre. Why don't you tell any listeners who might not know, and there's probably not many, but go ahead and tell us what Papa Sangre is. Well, now, this, this is an interesting game, and it's one we're, we're hugely proud of. It's a video game with no video. <laughs> what we wanted to do is we wanted to set out to make a game that had all of the potential of any of the best, most expensive video games that you can get on the Xbox or PlayStation or wherever, but do it without any graphics at all. And the reason why we wanted to do that is because we think the graphics that take place in your head are better than anything that you can do on a screen. And not only that, there's a lot of people, of course, that can't use or don't fully enjoy the graphics that go into games for, you know, for a variety of reasons. Very often because, you know, they 
they don't have the same kind of visual ability that, uh, that many gamers do. So why should those people be excluded? So that's, that's what that game is. Excellent. And I mean, it's a, a lot of fun. I, I know, I, I guess one of the things that, that jumped out at me was that you guys really, well, you guys do audio, that's what you do. And there was definitely a lot of professional voice actors in the game, right? Oh yeah, absolutely, yeah. That's so, hugely important. Because, I mean, that's another thing that, that happens very often, which is that um, when developers, uh, game developers, are, are making games, then the audio part of the game just isn't considered at all until very, very late in the day. Not only that, sometimes the, the writing um, of a game, the script that goes into it, and the casting of uh, different characters is also not considered until, frankly, the game is finished. We think that's completely the, the wrong way around. But those elements, particularly in a game that uses audio, are some of the most important things in the entire project. So we really wanted to make sure that we had um, not just a fabulous script and a great story, but also really good actors to interpret the words that the writers were writing. Absolutely. The premise of the game is that you're walking through, um, I guess, what would you call it, a, a, just another world that's inhabited by yeah. a sangre, and you have to save someone that he has, right? That's right. So what's happened is that the, the soul of someone that you care for very, very deeply is in terrible danger. And the only way that this is going to, this situation is going to fix itself is if you yourself go into the different palaces of Papa Sangre and complete um, a bunch of tasks that uh, Mr. Mr. Sangre has uh, set up for you to do. But that kind of doesn't, as you, you, as you know, Jim, if you played it, it doesn't sort of do quite justice to the, uh, the atmosphere that's, that's inside those palaces, let's, shall we say. Absolutely. Um, I, I like the way you have implemented walking, you know, with using your, your thumbs on, on the yeah. corners of the, of the device. That's really cool. Yeah, that was an interesting, an interesting thing. And um, it, it, I, I think that the interface to the game was one of the things that, in fact, I know it was one of the things that um, was the hardest, most fought over, longest to implement things that, that in the entire game. And that might come as a surprise to when you see the interface of the game, or rather when you play with the interface of the game, because right. it's, it's so simple. It, there are literally, as, you, as you've mentioned, you, you walk with your thumbs and you, you move around, you swivel around by, by uh, swiping the top half of the screen. And many people have said, well, why have you done it like that? Why, for example, couldn't you tilt the phone forwards to move forwards and tilt it backwards to, you know, tilt it left and right to move around. And, and uh, why have you got this strange experience with, with walking with, with your thumbs? And, you know, if, if we've got time, I could, I could go into it. But every single element in that interface was, is there for, um, is based on research done by Nokia and lots of other researchers into um, binaural audio. Now, um, I am a third-generation iPod Touch user, and I can tell you that the game does work, but you guys are very, very open about the fact that it, it really works best on uh, fourth-generation devices, correct? Well, yes, that's a, that's a really interesting thing. Now, here's the honest truth about that. Um, the game does work better on fourth-generation devices because the processors and the, and the spec of those uh, machines are slightly better. So it means you've got... Um, let's say higher resolution audio, you've got more audio effects like reverb and, and stuff that really makes you feel like you're in the game better. Now, it does actually work on third generation devices, frankly. Uh, we don't specifically say that it does, 
purely because we hadn't had a chance to test it out properly on those devices, and we didn't want to be promising stuff that um, you know that we that we couldn't we couldn't we couldn't do. But I'll be honest with you, just about everybody that's played on on. Uh, on lower spec devices says that if it launches then it works but it, I think we have had a couple of crashes but no more than that right every once in a while it will drag drag the processor down a little bit but yeah it's nothing there, there are no showstoppers there I can I can vouch for that so I, I suppose anyone who plays a game is always ready for the uh, the next version so um, can, can you kind of give us some clues as to what Papa might be up to well, I can. First of all, I can say that um, if you live in the UK, which I guess your listeners probably maybe don't, but we've, we've so far managed to release another game called The Nightjar, which is set in space. And we've got one of um, the UK's best rising star actors, a guy called Benedict Cumberbatch, who is the lead actor in that game. And he's Benedict Cumberbatch is in the new Spielberg movie, um, War Horse. He's got a, a very big role in that and he's there's no doubt this guy's going to be a, uh, a massive star um, the game is a bit shorter than Pepper Sangre but on the upside it's free um, because we, we we did it with an advertising agency called AMB BBDO in support of um, Wrigley's gum it's, it's a great game and we're really working very hard to bring it out in in the United States we've got discussions ongoing about that at the moment nothing to announce right now but but we really want to bring that out in, in America as soon as we can and as for Papa himself, well, we're working on some fun things. We're working on um, a, a version of Papa Sangre that uh, includes what, we, what we're calling um, big field mode. So we talked about the interface of Papa Sangre. Well, what if we could get rid of that interface altogether? You put your phone in your pocket and go and stand somewhere, you know, in the, in the middle of a park, and and you can actually hear monsters running towards you. The way to, you know, to to make yourself safe is to physically run away from them or walk away from them in, in, inside, that, inside that space. <laughs> so that's one thing we're looking at. The, uh, let's just say that uh, Papa, we, we, Papa will be back. He will be back. Absolutely. He's one, one of those beings that you know is going to be back if you've ever yeah, played you the can, game. <laughs> yeah, you can't keep him down. No. So did you actually have blind uh, beta testers in the game itself? Oh yes, we most certainly did. Um, we we worked very very closely with various sort of blind um, sort of uh, focus groups and the you know the Royal National Institute for the Blind, uh, rather the Royal National Institute for Blind People in in the UK. And this was something that was just so important to us because um, none of the the crew who who made the game um, are blind or partially sighted. But we know that, you know, different people use use software and they use games in any software, any kind of game, in very, very different ways to uh, to people uh, who aren't blind and partially sighted. So it was absolutely crucial to us to make sure that we weren't making any stupid assumptions. <laughs> and we, we we heavily beta tested the game. In fact, we co-designed elements of the game with um, with with blind people. And um, there are, in fact two different interfaces to the game, interestingly enough, for, for, for those that have voiceover engaged and those that don't. We don't. And we think that most games designers just don't go far enough at all in considering the user, um, considering how those people that, that may use voiceover to interact with an iPhone game would use it. Um, I'm, I don't mean like the, the in-game UI with, the, with, the, with the, uh, the, the walking thumbs and the swiping. 
I mean, the bit that enables you to, to move around the game and choose, choose levels and so on. If you have voiceover engaged, that's a completely different interface for, for those that, that don't. Very good, yeah. Well, you guys have definitely done it right. I, I, uh, I know that uh, the blind community has just been uh, captive by, uh, by the game and by the work you guys have done. So I'll well, we're delighted. We, I think that there are a couple of things we would have done a, a bit differently now we've, now we've done it, and, and you'll see some of those fixes or some of those improvements in, in, in our future games because we think we can even improve the experience for, for blind people, and, and we fully intend to do that. So it sounds like you're not done with gaming, even even after Nightjar. You guys got some more things kind of planned. Oh yeah, you better believe it. We've we've got um, you know, we've got a whole bunch of um, other projects that that are that are coming down the uh, the pipe, which uh, I can't talk about right now. But um, yeah, we're we're not done yet. That's great. Well, I'd like to thank you for joining us. And uh, if a person wants to play Papa Sangre uh, in the United States, certainly. Um, how do you go about finding it, and how much does it cost? The game is um, three dollars ninety-nine, I think, and um, you just just go to um, your just go to the app store and, and search for Papa Sangre, P A P A S A N G R E, um, and El Papa will find his way onto your iOS device fairly easily. He certainly will. We've been visiting with Paul Binden of Something Else Audio here on Main Menu. I'm very pleased to have with us today on Main Menu, Mr. Eric Damry from Freedom Scientific. Eric is the Vice President for Software Products at Freedom Scientific. And Eric, thank you very much for coming and being with us on Main Menu. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a while, David. Thank you. How, I hope everything is well. Everything is fine. And uh, we are keeping very busy. As in, I understand that you are, of course, this time of the year being uh, summer. You have a lot of shows coming up. And uh, I understand you're also in the middle of uh, the beta test cycle for uh, a product for this fall for, uh, I believe, for JAWS. And uh, while we're talking about that, I was wondering if maybe you could kind of give us an overview of uh, anything new or recently uh, released or new updates on any of the products that you uh, work with. Well, we did the JAWS 12 release in the fall last year on schedule as, as we do each year and um, we've been busy working on 13 but at the same time we've been you know constantly making modifications and uh, updates to the 12 version we actually did an update for the 11 version as well after the 12 had released so we're, we're uh, taking some of these things that we're working on backwards into earlier versions mm -hmm. um, 12 had an awful lot of changes that came uh, in the May time frame Shortly after CSUN, we released a pretty big update that we've been working on for months. And a couple of the key things there, uh, we had made some improvements for IE9 to um, allow the JAWS cursor to be able to function in IE9 as it does in earlier versions of the browser. Uh, we also added support for the brand new Magic Keyboard uh, that we developed and, and released uh, around April 1st. So now that keyboard, while it's good for a Magic user to allow them to be able to adjust their magnification levels, speech rate, and all the Magic features, there's also a lot of keys on there that are tied directly to JAWS for Windows. So you can do things like links list and research it right from the Magic keyboard. And uh, 
and increase and, and decrease your speech rate and so forth. And you can also use Keyboard Manager to go in and add other JAWS functions and features to that keyboard if you'd like. So that would be a very good thing. Like uh, I know a lot of times we look at um, a person that, particularly someone who maybe has fairly good vision right now, but we know we know that their vision is going to get progressively worse. Um, we might and would probably end up with JAWS. Uh, that keyboard might even give them more uh, uh, practice on the speech for later. Absolutely, and uh, you know it's a very good keyboard. The people that have looked at it, the fact that you can have it hooked up to a computer at a at a facility where there may be JAWS users or there may be Magic users, and they can both use the same keyboard and both benefit from it, mm -hmm. it's a good thing. And I assume it's just a, like a USB keyboard. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, we also added support for Visual Studio 2010, uh, and this is important because we want to be certain that um, developers that are using our product that would like to be able to use the most current tools that are out there in the market, and that is a, a development environment that we're trying to work in in our own office, so we have uh, blind developers who need to get access to these tools. So 2010, Glenn Gordon did a very good uh, presentation at CSUN on that, and uh, it's one of our FS casts that uh, if anyone is a developer and is interested, I think it's a great one to listen to. So I think it was the uh, April broadcast. So now is that Visual Studio, is that Visual Basic? Is that basically what we're talking or is that C? or? Uh, no, I believe, you know, I don't know exactly. Okay. Uh, the developers will know. The, develop the, the, the people out there that need to know that, will know. need to know will know. <laughs> it, is, it, is, it is one of the more popular environments okay. right now. All right. Fortunately uh, or unfortunately my development days were so many years ago that we won't even want to talk about it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so how about Magic? Where, where is that now? Is so that... Magic 11 is the current version that's out there. We've been working on a Magic 12 now for quite some time. I'm not ready to disclose any okay. specific dates on it at this okay. point, but okay. uh, um, there's been a lot of work going into Magic in the background. Okay. And, uh, hopefully we'll be unveiling something soon. But Magic 11, we've continued to enhance. Uh, as I said, we added the keyboard for it, and uh, we continue to, you know, as we make improvements on the speech components within JAWS, those benefits go right into Magic as well, mm -hmm. because Magic uses JAWS as its speech engine. Right. So right. Okay, and uh, we'll talk a little bit more about JAWS and Magic both here in a little bit, but we're just kind of trying to uh, overview each of the products mm -hmm. right now. Um, open book, I know Last fall or late summer, you released a 9.0, and at the same time, you re released the Pearl uh, digital camera as an optional um, addition to OpenBook. And then I believe there was an upgrade or so on it. Um, I think the last one was probably around March. I think so, yeah. The initial release of OpenBook 9 with Pearl, I believe, was in July last summer, and it was very well received and, and uh, really took off. Uh, the Pearl camera with OpenBook for the those who haven't had an opportunity to try that out, you just, uh, you know, get a piece of paper down there, you hit a keystroke, and within really three, three and a half seconds, you've got text coming out. Mm -hmm. And a uh, very good camera. You can also get uh, an exact view or a split view, so you can see the exact view and the OCR view, and you can see the synchronization of uh, the text uh, being read, so that if you do have some vision, you've hooked this up to a monitor, you can track in the book what is being read. So if it's somebody who's trying to prove a, an OCR document, they can go back and quickly refer to the, the, the exact view and know exactly what it was supposed to say if it's something that was messed up. I've even had a, a couple of people that I've worked with that have even used the, uh, um, I'm going to say the CCTV function.
reflection. I, I think they call it actually camera view. Yeah. Um, and that uh, that's that's kind of interesting too. That's, yeah. That that we didn't we wouldn't want to mislead anybody though as far as a CCTV view. Right. A CCTV view. Uh, you're do thinking is something that yeah. you can move around right. underneath right. it and keep up with it. Right. This is really uh, a looking at a still image. Right. It's not designed to be moving the right. document around. Right. Um, one of the things that I thought was kind of interesting, though, in, in, in that respect, was the ability to tell it to tell um, Open Book to um, either do the complete width of the paper or the complete length of the paper. Mm-hmm. I thought, thought that was kind of interesting because it makes it kind of nice to be able to to know that you know you you don't have to scan to the right or left or whatever um, because it it's, or it, that at least all you're going to be able to get the whole thing in view, mm-hmm. which I thought was actually kind of kind of kind of a nice kind of a nice thing. Okay, it, it, any ideas whether there's going to be a new release of Open Book this there year? Will, there will be a new release of Open Book. I don't think that we'll make it in this calendar year, but I, I would guess it'll come in the first quarter or second quarter next year. Okay. So we are working on things. Of course, we did the the Sarah uh, CE or Sarah Camera Edition product, which uses the Pearl, which mm-hmm. uses the same camera. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is used for the Pearl with Open Book, and right. and uh, Sarah also has it is basically its Open Book built in. So right. as we're making improvements on Sarah and its capabilities, those improvements can go back on the Open Book side as well. And and, and excuse me for not remembering the name of the software, but are you using that also then with the um, um, the uh, I'll call it the LD version? Y- yes, the Win product. Win product. Yeah. Yes, and uh, we've actually been bringing our win and open book code base together and as we've done that one of the benefits one of the real good benefits of this is we were able to roll out our low vision our I mean our um, learning disabilities product our win product line with the pearl camera as well now okay. and so, so this is a real big benefit for schools that can buy those pearl cameras they can use them with the learning disabilities and they can use them with blind and low vision with open book mm-hmm. yeah that's really good yeah. and this will also you know so this this gives Win some benefits from w- the development work that we've been doing within Open Book. We are also going to be able to take advantage of the Win functionalities and capabilities in Open Book as well. Okay, so uh, that sounds really good. Yeah. Um, now, uh, are there other software products that you're directly well related with? We or? we have other software products. Those are the three primary ones that I'm responsible for. Anything Jaws, new Magic, with FS Reader? We haven't done anything new yet on the FS Reader side, but we do have some things on the um, on the table for that that we're okay. that we're looking to get in. But nothing I want to disclose sure. at this time. Sure. But the FS Reader as a as a blindness daisy player built into the PC has been a great solution, and we've continued to get a lot of good feedback right. on it. Right, right. We're always adding new daisy books, of course. We're, I think Jaws is up to twenty seven books now available. <laughs> it's got a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's got a lot. I I know I have uh, a couple of times when I was uh, installing software on a new computer and I installed JAWS and then I went ahead and installed all the um, all the training materials and mm-hmm. even on a fast internet connection it can take you 20 minutes or so to get it all installed. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah. a lot there. Yeah. Um, so um, you, you you talked a little bit, uh, mentioned the JAWS 12 upgrade and I believe that was, uh, they, 
it? They call it upgrade one. Yeah, they call it update one. Update we tend, one. We're tending to do hot fixes now that we can do automatic updates. So I'm trying mm-hmm. to put out rapidly changes, especially when when a customer has something that's significant that they've discovered or that they'd like to get resolved, and we can get it in through support if it's uh, if if at all possible. We're trying to get those things escalated up, get them fixed, get them into hot fixes or patches that we can do almost monthly now. I really like the the the, the <clears throat> new feature that you put in in 12 where you can if you turn it on you can be prompted that there's new updates available to that yep. that's really nice yep and uh, <clears throat> that way a person's more likely you know a lot of times a person forgets to go and check and that, that's a, a good way to uh, yep. as long as you're connected to the internet right uh, anytime jaws starts up it will make the check to right. verify the version that you have and it's a real check and it's a real quick check happens in the background mm-hmm. so it's a very good feature mm-hmm. and, and many programs do this today so. right well and I was thinking that you know brings it more in line with other products out there like your your virus protection and so forth. Sure, PDF and even right. Microsoft Windows. Right, right. And so um, did you want to talk a little bit about what was all in, in the upgrade one? I'm guessing that there's probably a lot of people out there yet even today that are still back on the original CD release of 12 and probably have nothing beyond that. Uh, because of the automatic updates, I'm guessing they probably updated. Most people do. Um, so I know that when we come out with an update, within a matter of hours, there's thousands of people that have already downloaded it. So most people are getting those updates. We do publish on the uh, JAWS for Windows overview page. If you go to the homepage of Freedom Scientific, there's always a link there to um, to the JAWS for Windows update. And on that page, we list all of the changes, all of the current changes from the original release as well. So there were an awful lot of bug fix. It was, um, I, I think, I think we must have had well over a hundred enhancements that got put into it based on reports in from customers. So I, I would hope that people have taken a look at it. We did make some good improvements with Thunderbird, uh, the Mozilla email client. Uh, a lot of people were looking for something like that because they just weren't, you know, they're losing Outlook Express and they're not satisfied with Windows Live Mail. Mm-hmm. So Thunderbird's been a, a good solution for them. We've also done a pretty significant rewrite for Excel to speed things up, make Excel work much better. Do you know if there's any um, <coughs> tutorials? I A lot of times people will ask, well, is there, do you know of any kind of tutorials for, for like using JAWS with Thunderbird? You never know if anybody's... Yeah, we haven't done anything specifically for Thunderbird, and I haven't heard of one out there, but Thunderbird's pretty straightforward. If you've, uh, okay. It's very easy to set up, and if you've ever used Outlook Express, you'll feel right at home. Okay. Very simple to use. Okay. And, of course, Internet Explorer 9, I think you made quite a few changes to... Well, in the update one, I mean, our original 12 pretty much, I think the January update was working very well with IE9. Mm-hmm. However, we did want to add back in support for the JAWS cursor, and Microsoft made some significant changes under the hood for IE9 going to a D2D uh, technology, which eliminated uh, the ability for us to have a JAWS cursor that could walk around the characters on the screen the way we could mm-hmm. in an earlier version. It's also the same technology that has caused commercial uh, magnification products such as Magic from being able to do font smoothing, and um, those are still issues today in IE9. So, you know, in, in most cases, public facilities, libraries, school systems where they're going to have magnification users on those computers, they're probably holding back on IE9, and, and, and I wouldn't blame them at this point. So would you would you recommend to the average user, um, particularly someone using uh, Magic, that they, uh, when Windows Update, for example, gives them the uh, opportunity 
opportunity to upgrade to, to IE9 that they probably not do the upgrade right now? Correct. Okay. Uh, that's what I thought I had understood, and I, and this this isn't just uh, this isn't just magic. It's the, I think pretty much all of the large rent products out there have been. An it, it would it would certainly have impact uh, AI squared ZoomText product and the right. Dolphin Supernova right. and Lunar product. Okay. Um, and uh, so then uh, the probably the the biggest things then would be in in the upgrade uh, one would be a lot of uh, kind of tweaking features and and then some additional things for Windows uh, for Internet Explorer 9 and, and the, the Visual Studio. Yeah, and we're always con- constantly making improvements uh, and modifications to some of the functionality that we added in 12 for our international version. There's always some tweaks that have to get done. So, you know, of course, JAWS is rolled out in about 24 languages and um, Spanish is now being developed uh, and, and localized in conjunction with the English release. I think we're about to get German online to be able to do them both at the same time. So as we're doing okay. builds now of the English product, we're getting Spanish builds out and we're and that testing is beginning almost immediately. Okay. Now, some somewhere along the line I had heard um, that um, either now or in a, in a maybe near future that um, you're going to either can or are going to be able to set like different profiles like one for for if you were using uh, English and a different speech profile for say using Spanish right well currently you can do that you can set up a, a profile two, two different profiles um, or multiple profiles depending on uh, how many languages or synthesizer languages you have installed so if you have a Spanish voice a German voice and a French voice English is your default language you can set up voice voice profiles that you can then go back and select the Spanish profile, which has all of the settings that you set up for that Spanish profile. But then when you run back across English text, you'd have to switch back to the profile for English. And that is one of the things that we're looking at getting changed in this next version of JAWS so that your profile could contain uh, the voices that you want for different languages with the different attributes for those languages. So you can set up a slower speech rate for Spanish than is going to be used for English. English, but it's all within the same profile, so you don't have to switch on the fly. As JAWS uncovers or discovers that the language, the print language has changed from English to Spanish, it'll automatically switch to the Spanish voice you've defined at the rate that you've defined. But we've had for quite a while, as I remember, um, when it, when JAWS comes to another language, it would uh, switch on the fly. It will switch. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, the rate would be still the same. Still the same, right. and it would switch using a voice that JAWS. JAWS determines is the right voice. You could not, dif- you couldn't, um, you Another couldn't words, define uh, what voice right. was going to be used when it switched. It would be just whatever voice that it had was that programmatically. Language. It was programmatically pulled from what, what's available from, from the JAWS files. Right. But depending on which ones have been installed, one of them is at the top, and it always took that one. Right. Okay. So for the international market, this is pretty important. Mm-hmm. Well, and I can imagine it could be important for maybe someone uh, studying studying. Sure, for English people studying, studying another language too. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, and then we uh, you already talked a bit about the uh, the Internet Explorer nine. Um, things with both JAWS and and, uh, and uh, Magic, um, and so and you're working on uh, a Magic 12 sooner or later. Sooner or later, yeah, and and, and Open Book 10 okay. first half probably of, of 20 of 2012. Okay. Um, 
And so one of the other things that we've we've released um, since 12 came out, which I, I think is is very exciting, is the JAWS certification. Yes, I wanted to talk to you. Too. Wanted you to talk about that. Yeah. So the um, so the JAWS certification. For a long time, we've had people who have um, uh, been trainers or in, you know consultants uh, that have gone out and and. Uh, sold themselves as trainers and consultants and agencies have picked them up and, and, and utilized them and sent them to the clients and then the clients three months later call us up for support and they don't even have training material installed on their computer. Uh, or For whatever reason, they just have not learned the product yet. JAWS is, um, I think, an easy-to-use product, but it is a very powerful product. It has an awful lot of features and functionality that not everybody needs to, to know. But learning the basics about this technology, understanding the screen reader, understanding the Windows concepts, and then understanding how to get into applications and utilize those applications with those concepts about the screen reader and Windows that you've already learned is important. And uh, oftentimes we find that our, our customers are not necessarily getting that information. So one of the things we've created is the JAWS certification program. It's an online certification. If you go to the Freedom Scientific homepage um, and bring up a links list, I looked today, I think it was the second J you'd find. It's a JAWS certification. It takes you into their pages and uh, it describes it a bit. Basically, the certification points to you that the areas within JAWS and the help system that you should understand and know uh, how they work and then at any point you can select to take the exam and see if you understand it. The exam is a timed test online, 60 minutes long, true-false, and multiple choice, no essay, uh, very accessible. And uh, once you start the test, you can't stop. You must complete it. You'll get a warning at 30 minutes to let you know you're halfway through. I believe it, it's comprised of 85 questions, and those are pulled from a pool of about 320 questions at this stage that we've created, but we're always looking to create new ones to add in. Mm -hmm. And uh, so when you take the exam, at the end, if you passed, and passing requires an 80% score, we will inform you that you have passed and give you your score. If you didn't pass, we'll let you know you didn't, and we'll tell you the areas where you didn't do so well in that you can go back and continue to study. Um, you do not have to pay to take the exam, but if you've completed it and you would like to have one of the official certificates that we've produced in print and Braille with your name on it, the date that you've taken it, um, and we've make those up and send them out to you. There is a $99 charge the first time for it, and then the renewal if you'd like to retake the tests. And I would think if somebody's going to be a, a consultant on this program, it is one of those things you would want to get renewed periodically, and it's a $39 fee to renew at this point. Okay. Um, state agencies or anyone can purchase these in blocks of five, okay. and then uh, they would get a code, and the block of five is a $299 charge. And with those codes, they can hand them out to consultants have them go and complete the certification, turn in the code, get a certificate, and come back and show it. Okay. Um, so that's a program that's out there. I'll tell you the questions I think are very fair. We've tried not to put trick questions in it. If you know the product, you can pass the exam. Okay. Um, of the people that have taken it so far, and I think most of them so far have been users, and I think actually most of the users that have taken it would tell you that 
that they're power users. Mm -hmm. They're the ones that are on the listservs that, you know, the word gets out to them first and they all start taking it. Right. We've had 30% uh, pass rate. Oh, okay. So an awful lot of people that think they know the product <laughs> don't seem to know the product very well. Find out that they don't know it as well as they thought they did. Right. Yeah. And, I, and, and you know, it's, I think a, a lot of that is just like with any software. You, you learn and, and you remember what you use all the time. That's right. But there's an awful lot in, in JAWS or most any software package that <clears throat> you, you either don't use or use it so seldom that you don't remember what it was. Right. And the test really wasn't it really wasn't designed <clears throat> to target a user for a user to say, this is how good I know it. It was really designed to make sure that if somebody were going to be a consultant and right. do evaluations and installation and, and try and help someone decide about a screen reader product, that they would at least have demonstrated that they really know and understand what JAWS mm -hmm. is capable of doing. You think you'll do that at some point for some, for like for uh, for Magic? For I example? think we will. Yeah, yeah. It, it makes sense to to lead it into Magic. I will tell you that there's a lot of questions in there that involve Magic now. Okay. Um, just so that people understand how sure. JAWS and Magic can benefit each other. So sure. we put some of that stuff in there too. Okay. Okay. And um, so <clears throat> basically, you could go to the web page, and there is a link to it. From the main page, yep. Freedom Scientific. Web and page. if you don't do well, please go back and study. Come back and take it again. Okay. So, and it will give you a list then of where your weaknesses are, and you need yeah, to do it'll tell you. Yeah, it'll tell you the areas in in which you, you know, for instance, installation or uh, the training materials mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. um, the internet. It'll okay. tell you the the areas of the exam that you didn't do so well in. Okay. Does it give you? Does it happen to give you any reference like where you might want to go and look? Or yes, something? it does. Actually, in each question, it gives you the reference as to where the question okay. is coming from. And one of the things that I've made sure we've done is gone back and make sure that the um, how how a feature is described or discussed in the documentation is how it is discussed in the questions. Okay, okay. Very good. And then... Um the uh, Surf's Up was surf's the other up. thing you yeah. mentioned. So mm -hmm. we're constantly updating Surf's Up. Um, this is our uh, kind of um, tutorial, our online tutorial for somebody who's trying to understand how things work on the web utilizing JAWS or Magic. And um, there's, there's quite a bit to it. It teaches you things about tables. It teaches you things about navigation using headings and, and navigational quick keys. It teaches you things about links list. And it teaches you things about filling out forms. This is one of the biggest things. Mm -hmm. And um, we're updating it based on the new features that come out in the products and updating it based on technology as it's changing. So as we see changes happening with ARIA, you'll start to see those kinds of things show up in Surf's Up, like landmarks and, and things like that. Okay. <clears throat> I know somebody was asking me just recently, uh, they said, well, they, you know, they brought it, came onto this page and it said there were so many um, landmarks or mm -hmm. whatever. And they said, what is that? Never heard of it before. Yeah. So that's, you know, again, the, some of that terminology even, uh, that if you don't keep up with it, you find yourself pretty quickly going. Yeah, and landmarks Oops. essentially are just like places where you might want to jump to if you were use, utilizing a screen reader. Mm -hmm. uh, they're an author-defined bookmark, so to speak. Okay. And uh, you might use landmarks in the case of, um, oh, for instance, the search field on a screen. Okay. Um, you know, many applications have a, a search right. 
control. Right. And so you, they might put a landmark on a search controls, and there could be several there could be several edit fields there. So if you do E, the navigational quick key to find it, you'll eventually get it. But there, you know, an author. I think I think when landmarks are used correctly, there'd be one, maybe two landmarks mm-hmm. on the page. If there's more than one or two, I don't think I think it's been the, the purpose of it was defeated. Now let me ask you this: Is is landmark something that a, a user could actually go in and set themselves if on a particular page? No, those are things that the author would create. Okay, okay, because I've had a couple of people ask me that, and I said I didn't think so. No, um, I've heard of some things like um, hotspots or. Mm-hmm. Or that that people. Well, we certainly have place markers that people can right. define. Right. The use, user has a jaw user has the ability to do place markers or bookmarks. Right. right. Bookmarks, of course, are uh, are going to be stored and saved, and anybody could take advantage of it. That's that town. So, mm-hmm. so something else exciting and new coming up in the very near future, I know, is Typeability 4.0, a brand new version of Typeability. Okay. And I've been talking with uh, David Pinto, the creator of right. Typeability, and he's very excited about it. Um, I've yet to get my hands on it and start to enjoy it, but I think uh, from from what it sounds like, he plans on having something out somewhere around the summer show okay. time, so everybody should keep an eye out for that. I, sometimes, I sometimes wish it was built in. I know. Typeability <laughs> can be found at yesaccessible.com right. or from the JAWS headquarters, mm-hmm. and it's really it's much more than a typing tutor. It's, mm-hmm. it's really an aid to teach navigation from the keyboard and and right. to help with JAWS commands. Right. And uh, I've found that a lot of, for a lot of people, typeability really was, uh, really worked very well mm-hmm. uh, in helping them learn keyboard and so forth. What, what uh, do you, have you heard much? Um, I think, wasn't there recently some new things from, um, uh, like the JTunes and uh, JTools? Yep, yep. The uh, TNT consultancy folks that work with um, next generation technologies here in the United States have released new versions of JSAY and an updated version of JTools and uh, a lot of good feedback on that. I, I believe there is a recording that's done on FSCast about the JTools one. Yeah, I believe that was just recently. Yeah, yeah. Just recently. And then I uh, just not too, I think it was within the last week or two, um, heard a review and had just started, just installed it in the last couple of days this uh, new um, uh, blind tunes scripts mm-hmm. that someone has done that to work with for iTunes, yeah, for iTunes, yeah, and it seems to do pretty well. Too. I've heard very good things about yeah. it. Yeah, and uh, so uh, there's a lot of things uh, out there that uh, if a person looks around, they can they can find some good adi- add-ons to uh, assist with some of those applications that maybe aren't as quite as accessible out of the box as they could be. Right, um, and even if they are accessible, they can always be improved upon, and that's what a lot of these right. functions are, are designed to do, a lot of the scripting work that's, that's being done today. Right. Okay. Um, and uh, then I know you you um, you said so, maybe something briefly about, but I, I, I take it that um, you're already deep into the work for JAWS 13, uh, the betas on that, and uh, are you expecting probably a public beta somewhere in around September? Yeah, early September we should hit public beta. Okay, and uh, I'm sure there'll be a lot of people looking forward to that and all the new... 
things there. Yep. And it's early, I think, to talk about it sure. too much just because, you know, we have a lot of things that we'd like to accomplish. And as you get further into it, sometimes we decide that this is something that we got to pull a plug on. Maybe it won't make the initial release. Maybe it comes in an right. update. So uh, Well, and that's why I thought, thought it was the, probably the best thing was just to say, you know, uh, probably around the first part of September, people could probably start yeah. kind of and watching for it. And we usually will get an FS cast out uh, a couple of days before we post the public mm -hmm. beta where Jonathan and I will kind of go through the key right. features and some detail and demonstrate them. And I think that's worked out well because oftentimes when users, when the, when the new version gets posted, <laughs> it's in, in public beta, a lot of people, they download it and they just start to use it and see what happens right. instead of finding out, right. well, what, what might happen and where might I go to see it happen. Right. Uh, research, it was like that. Uh, a lot of people had installed the new version if they had never gotten into reading about the new product or listening to one of the FS casts that talked about the research feature, they never found it. Right. And boy, what a, what a great feature that is. There's so many people that just absolutely love it. And I would, you know, so let me just say, anyone out there that's got one of the later JAWS installed, 12 or 11, um, if you uh, have an internet connection, hit hold down the insert key, tap space, and then press R, and you'll be in research it. And it's just such a great tool to be able to go out and quickly access lots of different types of information on the web, like weather reports and all kinds of dictionary and, and I never news will, articles and sports scores. And I never will for you when you when you introduced it. You, know, you talked about searching for baseball scores on a certain baseball team. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, uh, you had talked when you met with uh, some of us this morning, you talked a bit about um, another tool that I think a lot of people are not all that aware of, uh, the uh, text analyzer. Uh, text analyzer. Mm -hmm. Would you talk a, just a little bit about that? Sure. The text analyzer is designed to assist someone who doesn't see the screen who's creating a document or an email message, and they would like it to be visually presentable. Uh, oftentimes, even if you have a Braille display, but a lot of people don't even have a Braille display, if you wrote something up and read through it, it would sound fine, but if someone visually inspected it and looked at it, they might find that you're using different size fonts, or you had some extra spaces, or some capitalization out of place, or maybe uh, an open parenthesis or an open quote. It could be a lot of little things that are wrong on the page that you just don't pick up when you read it with the screen reader. So the text analyzer is, is a tool designed to allow you to step through your document, and it will stop at any inconsistency consistency it finds. And it will announce that there's an inconsistency there. Either there's an open parenthesis or there's a font change that you might want to review. Uh, maybe it's, you know, bold text that's in your document that you didn't intend to be there. It will pick up on those things and it will let you know that there's a change right here and it puts your cursor there so you can review it and make a decision what you want to do. And I, and I thought that was really great because, um, you know, I, th I think a lot of us that can't see um, think of, oh, that, that tool that's going to help us out is, is the spell checker and grammar checker, mm -hmm. and that that that's going to help you some, but it's not going to tell you about this. No, it doesn't changes. catch this stuff. Right. Yep. Okay. And uh, insert Alt I. What is it? Is it Alt I? Alt Shift I. Boy, I can't remember the keystroke now. Okay. Um, <coughs> if you haven't looked at that in your Jaws user. You, 
it really is something that if you do any kind of um, writing documents at, at all, really, it would be a really good thing to take a look at, and you'd be surprised that how much uh, help that could be. And just making sure that your documents, when you when you send a document out to somebody, that it's going to look right and look professional and mm-hmm. all, of, all of that. Um, so to wind up... Um, you're going to be a lot of places this summer. Yes. I know I saw July 3rd you're doing a presentation at uh, the NFB convention. Yep, July 3rd, that's Sunday. Uh, in the morning, I'll be doing a JAWS 12 presentation that I do each year for the group. We always have a great turnout uh, and a lot of fun at that presentation. Uh, people bring their questions, and, and we delve into some of the different features, and I usually start to talk a little bit more about JAWS the next version right at that morning mm-hmm. session that day. Mm-hmm. That's usually the first time we discuss. Mm-hmm. And then following my JAWS session in the afternoon this year, we're going to do something special because we're in Orlando. Orlando, which is uh, only a, a, a couple of hours from our headquarters, we're actually going to be driving over, bringing extra equipment. We're going to do a, a scanning and reading session in the afternoon with the Sarah CE solution, and we'll have Pearl cameras. I encourage anybody who's got a, uh, a laptop that they want to bring to the convention and, and bring to that session, just bring your laptop in. We'll hook up one of the Pearl cameras to it. We'll have a bunch of them there, and we'll install Open Book and and try reading with your computer. Or if you'd like, get your hands on the Sarah CE. We'll have dozens of them set up on the table, and we'll get people okay. on the Sarah CE and let them give it a try. Okay. Uh, speaking of that, I was just curious, um, and, and I, I wanted to go ahead, too, and find out what your schedule is, if you know, uh, at the ACB convention, too. But um, have, do you know if anyone has tried, or is it possible? I know people have asked me, and I said just said, I really don't know. Uh, to use any of the other document digital cameras that with with OpenBook or any of the uh, there isn't at this point. Okay. Uh, the only digital camera that's going to work is the Pearl at this is point. The Pearl. Okay. Uh, I should also add, in addition to our Sunday sessions at the NFB, at each of the summer conventions, NFB, ACB, will have a suite where we always have set up where we're mm-hmm. doing training okay. for free throughout the conference um, on and various products and we're going to have the low vision products there we're going to have open book and sarah's up there in the suite so okay. during the week if you uh, if you have an opportunity i hope everybody uh, seeks out the suite go up have a have a comfortable seat and sit down and talk to some of the real pros of the technology some of the support guys that mm-hmm. are there with us each year so we bring a whole team and they're there for people to take advantage of Okay. Okay. And um, then uh, schedule at ACB. Yep. ACB is the week following NFB this year. So uh, there is a a good-sized crew heading out to that. It's in Reno, uh, Nevada this year. Um, Unfortunately, I will be skipping this one because I'll be getting on a plane heading the other direction to fly to the U.K. because Site Village is concurrent. Site Village is concurrent to ACB this year. So. So I'll be doing uh, Site Village, and the rest of the team will all be going out to Reno. Okay, okay. Well, it, uh, maybe maybe they were afraid you'd spend too much in Reno. Yeah, or, or <laughs> lo- lo- lose, I think, is the word. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, 
It's been really good having you with us. Well, it's been um, good to be here, David. It's great to see you guys up here in Minnesota. I'd love. Hopefully, we can get together with you this fall after uh, yep. um, the Jaws um, 13 is out or mm-hmm. uh, close to when it comes out, and mm-hmm. uh, get an update on that. And uh, wish you a good summer. Uh, I think we'll pr- I'll probably be seeing you the, the there on the third, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll try not to hassle you too much. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, thank you very, very much for coming by. It's good to have you in the Twin Cities for for a day. And you're doing the, uh, I believe you call it the Low Vision Seminar. Or yeah, we have a Low Vision Awareness Day. We Awareness get out all day. over the country with the, the guys get out there and do this. And uh, we have a great turnout next door with the Low Vision store here in Minnesota. And uh, Well, I think out of curiosity, if somebody wanted that to come to their area, what would, how could they get that? They could contact our office if you, uh, if you send in... Request just you know put in the subject line, send it into the information or sales department, and say put us in touch with the Low Vision Awareness Day group, and Charlie Madsen will get in touch with you, and we'll work with you to set something up. But we'd love to get out to those places, especially those places where assistive technology companies don't tend to get there. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's important for people to be able to understand where the technology is today and how it's changing. And right. and for those of us that they get to the trade shows all the time, we're seeing the latest and greatest stuff but uh, for a lot of folks that are out there in the areas I mean we did one up in Montana this year that was a big hit I think 85 people showed up that was almost the whole state yeah there was a lot of people up that. <laughs> they, they loved having us up there okay. but uh, I mean it's been a long time since anyone in the assistive technology industry got mm-hmm, there mm-hmm. we had three guys drive through a snowstorm to get to it oh my goodness <laughs> wow well and uh, um, I think uh, you did the presentation I think this morning on uh, I did the blindness stuff this morning and Charlie Madsen's up here with me and he's doing all of the low vision products and I'll tell you we've been a very busy company the past few years with the Topaz, um, the Sapphire, Ruby, of course the Onyx distance solution and portability solution and Charlie's showing off the Sarah CE over there and uh, so we've got really the full line of products now. Well thank you for coming in and um, I really appreciate you taking the time to come over and uh, talk with us and uh, have a good Okay, thanks, David. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Chase Crispin from the Main Menu Production Team. I am here today to invite you, the listener, to submit to Main Menu. Do you have a device, a program, an accessible game, a website, an accessible appliance, or anything else that you would like to tell the rest of the Main Menu listeners about? If so, you are very welcome and encouraged to submit to Main Menu. To submit to Main Menu, please first email mainmenu at acbradio.org to see if we think your piece would be suitable for Main Menu. Next, please record your piece. Please speak as clearly as possible. If applicable, slow down your software speech. Eliminate any background noise such as other people talking, a TV or a radio that does not need to be on, a loud fan, or any other unnecessary background noise. Please record your piece in as high of a quality as possible. If you need your piece edited but are unable to edit it, please contact one of us on the production team and we would be happy to edit the piece for you. Contact the production team at mainmenu at acbradio.org. You can also contact the production team by going to mainmenu.acbradio.org and clicking on the staff link. If you have control over how you record, we prefer that you record in WAVE or MP3 format at 128 kbps, 44.1 kilohertz. However, if you are unable to do this, please record in as high of a quality as possible. If you record at another sample or bitrate, 
or in a different format, we would be happy to take care of the conversion for you. Please email mainmenu at acbradio.org to see how to get the piece to us and when it will air. We thank you for your continued interest and support in Main Menu, and we look forward to hearing you on the show. That concludes this edition of Main Menu. We trust you've enjoyed the program. On behalf of the entire Main Menu team, I'm Jamie Pauls wishing you and yours a great week.